I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport for the final time from this 2018 Australian Open. I am Catherine Whitaker from Eurosport. I'm alongside David Law, who has just commentated uh, on the men's final, Roger Federer defeating Marin Cilic in five sets for BBC Radio 5 Live. We are recording in front of a live studio audience of Eurosport staff, who, yes. which is quite off-putting. All two of them. <laughs> All two of them. There are other members well, of the media present as well. But yes, uh, the... The British Eurosport crew members are all in attendance who, when I asked uh, last night if they'd listened to all the uh, Australian Open Tennis podcast, they said no, because I feel I've been living it every day. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, yes, David, you have been commentating the men's final sets two and four, which uh, were in many ways the the best or certainly the most dramatic of the final one by Federer in the fifth set, a, a slightly disappointing fifth set. Not a disappointing final overall, but a slightly weird final. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it was a slightly weird final. Um, and and you're right, there were the two sets with the drama, with the the feeling of jeopardy about them. And ultimately, that was borne out by the fact that Chilic won them both and, and kept the final alive. Because really, if right from the first ball, Federer was in charge and seeing it like a football it seemed to me, I mean this was just vintage Federer, just swishing the ball around, timing it perfectly making Cilic uncomfortable and I think the biggest surprise seeing the way the match was unfolding is that it didn't end in straight sets he, he, he was the better player in the second set as well and when he went I think 4-5 30-40 down it, was, it felt really surprising that, that Cilic had had got this break point out of nowhere. He then got two more, um, got it into a tie break and, and won the set. And um, that, at that point, I did wonder whether we might see a, a, a real shift in momentum because Federer had given him a schooling, really, and yet it was only one set all. Then you had the, the fourth set in which, really, I mean, again, Federer was about to just put him away. He was 3-1 up. He had break points for 4-1 and a double break. And we saw a human being then. We saw a man who was 
doubting and, and losing his rhythm a little bit. Chilich was playing well. I don't want to take any credit away from him for forcing a fifth set. He started to play his best tennis, but still, Federer stopped hitting the mark on the serve. And you could see him just tighten. And it's, it's, it's almost quite reassuring to see somebody that good that experience, that great, that, that much. effortless, yeah, seemingly effortless. Somebody who's won that much to see the flesh and blood that he is. Absolutely. And in that fifth set, even though on paper it was pretty straightforward and in the end, in, in reality, it was too. He was pretty stressed, wasn't he? He was asking uh, the umpire, Jake Garner, about how long uh, there was until he was, he was going to get new balls. Um, he was getting a bit stressed about spider cam. He was stressed out in that fifth set. He it, it didn't... As much as I completely agree, to us it all it felt like a thrilling five setter where the result was never in doubt. To Federer, I think the result did feel in doubt. Well, he's moments. the one who's got to make it all happen. That's the thing, and he, you saw it in the the victory speech. I think that there are people that watch Roger Federer play tennis and and win these titles and look how many he's already won, and they they see him filling up and they see the emotion come out and they see him cry. And they don't understand quite why. They don't, why is he crying when he's just won his 20th Grand Slam title and he does this all the time? It's not, not that big a deal. I think some people might think that. But, well, it means the world to him for a start. Um, he puts a heck of a lot into it. He carries this weight of hope from so many people on his shoulders. So many people want him to win. And he has to kind of embody that and deliver. And... He, he does it so lightly most of the time that you kind of feel as though, oh, this is just a walk in the park for him. He does this all the time. It's not a big deal. But you see the reality in those speeches. We've seen it three times here. If you think back to 06 with Baghdad, is crying on the shoulder of Rod Laver. Think to 2009 when, when Rafael Nadal has got the measure of him and has beaten him in five sets following up the 08 final. That's what makes this so staggering. This is why the emotion is coming out now is because he's he's weathered that period of Nadal domination he's weathered that period of Djokovic total domination when he went five years without winning one of these things at all and there were question marks over whether he ever would and not only has he done won one he's won three in a year yeah, and I tell you what, give a pay rise to the director that cut from Roger Federer's quivering bottom lip to Rod Laver uh, videoing the Roger Federer speech to Robert Federer, Roger's dad, crying yeah. in the box. That, that sequence of images made an absolute wreck of me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go on air uh, about 30 seconds later. I was like, oh, this is, this is great. You know, he seems delighted, but no crying. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. And then he went. And yep. then he went. You could hear and it in his, his voice, dad went, And then Rod, Rod Laver was there filming it. And, oh, goodness me. <laughs> yeah, it was very emotional um, to, to see that. And, yeah, I, I, it's, it's not that surprising. It's happened throughout his career. It happened when he won his first Wimbledon. Um, just, I mean, what did they call him? Roger Blubberer was, one of, the, was <laughs> yeah. one of the headlines that year. It happened this year at Wimbledon when he saw his kids in the box. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, thank I, goodness the kids weren't there because yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't have It's talked. not that surprising, really, that this, that this happens to him because that's who he is. He's, a, he's I think, a caring man and an emotional individual it's just that it's all wrapped up in this yeah seemingly effortless 
sheen of a an exterior. I think we should give a bit of cred- credit to Marin Cilic for making as much of a match of it as he did Not because it, it, the the first set was a, a pretty chastising experience, well, a ch- Wimbledon, chas- chastening experience. It was Wimbledon Mar two at the start, wasn't it? It was, and he must he must have been having horrendous flashbacks as he sat down at the end of. Uh, at the end of the first set, you know, it went by in the blink of an eye. He had won, I think, three points in the first uh, three games at, at one point. It was a, it was an, it was a, as bad a start as you could hope for. And I guess the the only good upshot of that is that you end up in a situation with absolutely nothing. To, it could not have been going any worse for him. I suppose he could have got a blister on top of a blister on top of a blister. That's perhaps the only way it could have uh, got worse for him but uh, and I suppose there's something liberating about that but good on him and I loved the way I loved his body language you know Marin Cilic the nicest man in tennis with that steel in his eye in the fourth set I believed that he believed that he could win that in the end he wasn't as good as Roger Federer and that's fine to to lose on those terms to lose because you're not as good a tennis player as Roger Federer is just fine to lose because you didn't quite believe or you weren't quite strong enough mentally. That's a different story, but I don't think that was the story. Tonight. No, I, again, we saw what Federer has done to his game over the last couple of years. He has turned his game around again, and he's figured out this way to get big guys like Marin Cilic, even as good a mover as Cilic is, to get him off balance. And there's just nobody else who can do that. Yeah, I mean, the first point of the match was an in-two-out Federer backhand return taken from inside the court. He stepped in, single-handed backhand on the rise, in-two-out return. I mean, yeah. that's it's laughable. It's laughable. And it is a shot that Federer wouldn't have played um, even a couple of years ago. So to all those that, that suggest that Roger Federer's dominance and, and uh, brilliance at the moment is, is an indictment on the rest of the sport... Perhaps it would be if it were the same Roger Federer of a few years ago, if he'd remained stagnant. This is a better player. It, he has Tennis has moved on. The fact that it's still Roger Federer doesn't mean that the sport has been stagnant because Roger Federer hasn't been stagnant. He no. has improved. Well, uh, we, we've talked about it before and I was mentioning it just now. The fact that he's found a way to still be at, at the top end of this game after what Nadal put him through those years and after what Djokovic put him through... And also, even for a little spell, Andy Murray too. You know, it's I'm I'm lost for words really that he's doing this at 36. Watching him move around the court like a cat, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, just one one thing that was noted by uh, one of our colleagues, Stuart Fraser, when uh, when the victory speech was happening and he was crying, he said, "Is this Roger Federer maybe?" saying he's not coming back to Melbourne. You know, is, the, is this emotion because maybe he, he knows in his mind that this is it? Why Which, on earth would that be? He said nothing to him no, no, that that's the case. I, I understand, but in trying to understand where, where this level of emotion has come from, when a year ago, having finally won his 18th, it wasn't comparable emotion... He, he, oh, he, he didn't cry. What? What? I mean, you know, he did. He did. He had a moment. Like he had a moment on on the on the chair before that. He didn't in the speech, but he had a moment on the chair before the ceremony where he did. No. And I think that. But look, it's like we talked about yesterday. It's after a the fair women's question. Final, it, there was there was a lot more shock and disbelief. There were a lot more other emotions in the in the mix as well as 
joy with Roger Federer last year, I think, and the fact that it was beating Nadal and, and that made it all the more unexpected. I just think there was a lot more going on and it was a different concoction of emotions well, this year. I, I just yes. don't think he has given us any reason to... I think that is reading far too much well, between look, the lines, for, personally. Uh, I should say, Barbara Shett on Eurosport has asked Roger Federer, you didn't say you would come back next year in your speech. He said, I've no idea what I said. I just wanted to finish the speech somehow. I really hope to come back next year, yes. Right. That's what he said. Well, there but, you go. but look, look. I think it, in the moment it is a perfectly reasonable question. This guy can't play forever. No, but, so, he, he, but of course he might not come back. Factors might intervene, but he certainly intends to. He's made that very clear. He intends to play for as long as he's physically but able. That, but I'm still curious to know whether in his mind he has an idea of how the curtain will fall. I don't know. I'd, I don't we, know We either. don't know that, Dave. No, we, we just, don't. But we're a podcast and we can talk about it. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to speculate. I just think that is wild speculation. Well, it, it is, but... Again, Given that, as, in as that you moment, say, you know, it's not like it's completely unheard of from Federer to be that emotional in those kind of moments. No, it's, it's, it's not. But I, in trying to work out what the triggers are, you know, you, you sometimes look into it. And um, I, I didn't feel that at the time myself, I must say. I, I, can, I get it in, a, in that he's just hit 20, for goodness sake, when he probably thought for a while he might get one more. And this was over a four and a half year period. Can I hit you with the stat? Stat me up. Roger Federer has now won ten percent of all open era Grand Slam men's singles titles. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> I imagine that that's a similar number for um, for Graf and Williams, isn't it? But I mean, yeah, that is that is an amazing number. Um, he one thing that did. I find really weird about the final. And it's, it's a mark of how Federer is different to any other sports person I've ever come across, is the effect that he has on crowds, such that un, being an underdog is an irrelevance. You know, you don't, it doesn't get you anything. You don't get any support if you're the underdog. Federer is the overwhelming favourite. Every single shot he hit was greeted like he just scored a goal in the World Cup final. Marin Cilic mounts this incredible comeback from 3-1 and break points down in the fourth set, thereby guaranteeing them more tennis and more drama. And it was greeted with polite, concerned applause. And I, I, I just I completely understand that because, like I say, no athlete that I have ever seen has had the effect on people that Roger Federer has. It's... It, I don't quite know how to put my finger on it, on how, how he does it. Is it a shame, though, that it's bigger than, than the love of tennis? Because if you love tennis, I think, and, and a match is really good, you want more of it. You ins- I feel like you instinctively want it to go to a full set. You want it to be a contest. You might still, you know, not want it to go too close to the wire because you want your favourite to win. But I don't know. It, it didn't feel quite right. No, I, I, I agree with you. I expect I, to hear certain... When, I, when, when as a commentator you describe a comeback, you expect the crowd to be kind of going with you on that comeback because it's dramatic and it's, like I say, it's, it's ex, increasing the drama. And yet there was none of that. There was... 
there was in the Eurosport office. We want we wanted that match to desperately to go five. You know, there were different people wanting different eventual outcomes. Sure, but, but the we crowd all, not. No, and it was. I found it strange how because we were watching for for periods just boring you know, sausage making things about how you you watch in an MCR media control room. Sometimes we had the court effects up, and sometimes we had them down. And when we turned them up, we realised how out of step we all were with the reaction of the crowds inside the Rod Laver Arena. We, yeah. you know, we, when we sit down and watch a final, we're watching it as tennis fans, really. Um, and so we kind of expect to be broadly in keeping with the general mood. And we were so out of step with it. Yeah, it was, it was like a Davis Cup match where there is n- none of the opposing team's fans yeah. in your yeah. city. Um, and look, that, that can only be a testament to the effect that Roger Federer has on people. And, and I certainly don't want to take anything away from him for that. He's, he's cultivated that over 20 years of playing incredible tennis, very... Um, decently as a human being he he is magnetic in his appeal to people and and i don't decry him that for a second but i just think it's a little bit of a shame as a sporting event that you that, that you that it isn't a little more even in a way i mean it's just the way of the world it's it's what it is but uh, but uh, yeah I, I felt a bit sorry for marin Cilic in in that way me too we've just seen him uh trudge off or certainly on screen seen him trudge off towards his press conference I'm sure he's being an absolute delight in there because he just always is and you know a touch of you know the Simona Halep's last night I hope this one maybe doesn't burn as much because he gave it everything and because he could so easily have limped off um, I think the conditions hurt him a bit set. out there. Uh, the fact that they, they played with the roof on, I think, did hurt him a bit. Well, I have to say, um, when they announced that it was going to be played with the roof on, there were serious murmurs around the place, you know, hand-fed hand the trophy now, um, because that was the extent to which people, a lot of people thought that would favour Roger Federer. Now, look, we don't, we don't know what the scenario would have been had it not been played under the roof, so it's... I think Federer was playing so well, really he would have taken some stopping. But, but you don't know how he would have played if the roof were open. We do no. know how much he loves tennis under a roof. So yep. I, I do find it strange. This is more, more highlighting of the, uh, the idiosyncrasies of, of the heat rule. Um, bizarre that it was closed, was, was closed tonight and not last night. Well, it was about four or five degrees warmer. But it was um, a lot more humid last night. It was. Sure. It, it, well, it was. Okay, according it was to the, more humid last I mean, night. certainly according to their ruling of the wet bulb globe yeah, thermometer. Well, I know. It, I, under, it I understand the reasoning, but, but in I, different ways, last night was every bit as challenging. When, when the when the news came out though that Simona Halep had spent four hours in hospital on on an IV uh, because of severe de- dehydration, I do wonder whether that might have just concentrated minds a little, and they might have just thought, you know what, we're not going to risk that. Um, well, it's possible. Pat Cash was, uh, was saying on Eurosport earlier that if you're somebody that sweats a lot, and um, it, it, people do vary, if you're someone that sweats a lot, if you're playing in even pretty, I mean, less heat than today, you will lose three litres of water per hour. Um, and it is literally impossible to replenish that, no matter how much you're... It's, it's impossible. So you will, gradu- you're just gradually, gradually, not even that gradually, dehydrating mm yourself you know and uh, we're sitting here at quarter past midnight at night and it's 35 degrees still i mean it's 
It's outrageous, this weather. It is absolutely outrageous. It was more humid last night. I don't, I don't, I don't question, as I've said countless times this fortnight, I don't question there being a heat policy. I don't have a particularly um, barbarian attitude towards it. No, it's a battle to the death. You've got to go out there and play in whatever conditions necessary. I just find it bizarre that tonight the roof was closed and last night they implemented a different heat policy, but that... Uh, manifested itself in a break between the two sets. It just see, it just feels like a mess. Yeah, I do feel they need to concentrate it all together and work out what this policy is and and probably yeah change it because um, I can't see how it was worse. I understand the humidity, but like last week when it was hotter actually in in many ways, um, and yet we didn't have any application of the rule. Uh, was it hotter? I beg to differ. Would you? I mean, I had dryer, to dip myself heat. into the Garden Square fountain prior to broadcasting. There is this photographic evening. evidence. <laughs> Uh, which is the first time I've done that this fortnight. So if you consider that an objective measure, today was the hottest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, we kind of it both ways. They, they closed the roof and, and it made it more temperate. But I'll tell you, looking at Marin Cilic, the amount he was sweating out there today. I mean, I think some of that was nervous sweat as well. I mean, he was so stressed in that first set. I think, I think the other thing is I think he found... I think he might have been complaining to his box about maybe the tension string of his strings. tension, Kyrgios-esque, yeah. yeah. Because, because obviously you need it at a certain yeah, well, level, maybe the, level the, for that, the, don't you? The rackets were prepared for, indoor, uh, for outdoor tension and then the roof being closed changed things, but... Because he was mishitting. I mean, like, on the backhand side, I, I think I read he hit, he hit five winners and over 30 unforced errors on his backhand. I mean, his brilliant backhand. That's not yeah. a good start. It was stat. his backhand letting him down tonight, yeah. which, was, which was unusual. We can see Roger Federer up there where we were recording our podcast last night, David, as being swarmed by moths and other animals, which, you know, do you know what? When I brushed, people. When I brushed out my, uh, my back combed hair last night, when I was brushing out the layers and layers of hairspray, I, sp- hairspray, I think 15 insects <laughs> came out in my hairbrush. They've been camping out. Minimum of 15, yeah. Camping it's, out. Uh, it's not the spot hair. you want to be in late at night. No, no. But what, a, what an amazing achievement again, and it's... It sets it up nicely for the rest of the year again. I mean, I think overall, as, as slightly strange as the final was, it's another five-set win for Federer. It is 20 Grand Slam singles titles. Let's just, let's just focus on that very briefly. What, what a number that is. Um, Pete Sampras has got 14. You know, the great Pete Sampras has got 14 of these things. He's got six more. Yeah, and it's more daylight between him and Nadal as well, which yeah. is the, the, the more significant gap. Pat Cash says, incidentally, in, in, in terms of goal setting uh, for Roger Federer, that his big remaining goal is to become the oldest man to be world number one. So having talked about how much less Federer cares about rankings than Nadal, and he, he's still number two Federer, apparently... Pat Cash said, said very uh, confidently and with authority that he understands that Federer's next big goal is to reclaim the, one, the, the number one spot, thus becoming the oldest man to do so. Well, that's looking very likely. Um, somewhere after sort of the February tournaments, Dubai sort of time, 
there is, of course, Indian Wells and Miami, which he won both. So there's, there are points there. And then there's a question mark over whether he plays on clay at all, isn't there? And, and I'm very interested to see what he ends up deciding to do because whilst... I mean, I don't doubt Pat for, for a second there. If, if he, you know, he, he may know more than I do, but Federer's going to want to win Wimbledon, isn't he? And he, I don't think he'll want to jeopardise that. I don't think he'll be going point chasing during the clay court season and risk um, not winning the Wimbledon title if he feels that that's one he can still win. And I mean, who could bet against him right now? Who, who, who realistically has got a better chance of winning Wimbledon than him? Nobody. Is that a hypothetical question? What do you think? Nobody right now. No. They don't. No. I mean, a lot can change. A lot can change um, well, that's in that true. period of time. But right now, nobody. Right now, he is the hands-down clear favourite for Wimbledon, without yeah. question. Um, but, you know, six months ago, Andy Murray was world number one. So, yeah, a heck of a lot can change. Hard to believe all this stuff's happened. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right couple of doubles finals that we uh we haven't uh, brought to you the results of just yet the uh doubles title won by pavic and marach over cabal and farah the uh the fans were going crazy for those two but they couldn't get the job done uh and then 
Pavic managed to win the mixed doubles as well with Dabrowski of Canada. So he had a good old tournament. He, so Croatia have won a couple of slams there. Croatia have. And it was an interesting mixed doubles final because it was uh, Tameya Babosh and Rohan Bopana were Pavic and Dabrowski's opponents. And Babosh had won the women's doubles title with Kristina Medenovic. So there, it was guaranteed, whichever way it went, that someone was going to become a double doubles champion and in the end it was Matej Pavic yeah so what's been your highlight oh of the two weeks uh, it's coming to an end as somebody working for a British broadcaster it's hard not to pick Carl Edmund I think the uh, how much of a surprise that was was a real treat for us um but uh match of the fortnight Kerber Halep yeah Kurt, well I think both of the matches with Halep, and what a tournament Halep ended up having. 15-13 saving match points. Yeah, then, if, I was then to, Kerber, if I was to pick a player that provided me the most entertainment this tournament, Halep would edge Kyle Edmund even. I mean, Semena Halep, you have provided me with an awful lot of drama, entertainment and, and joy this tournament. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's been great. It's been really good. And I mean... What are we now? We're sort of an hour and a half after the final concluded, and Roger Federer is still being shown on the screens here in the media he centre. Has, he hasn't showered yet, David. He still has the trophy in his hands. He's been to 155 interviews uh, with live broadcasters. He's been out to the Margaret Court Arena and, and addressed the crowds that were there, and, and he's still smiling smiling he's still got this trail of people following him around telling him where he needs to go next and uh, and he still hasn't even been into the press conference yet and that's followed by how many interviews in three different languages i mean he's actually going to spend longer doing interviews than he is in a five-set tennis match uh, i th- i think you're probably right yeah and he, he probably won't complain about it the way sloane stevens did at the start of the tournament <laughs> no slightly different Good on you, Roger. personalities so, I think that perhaps sort of sums it all That's up. That's a wrap, Where David. are you off next to? <laughs> I am, well, I'm off to Sydney uh, tomorrow for a bit of interim R&R, and then uh, I'm off to uh, sunny, sunny Pyeongchang, <laughs> where it's currently minus 35 degrees. Minus 35, so it's 38 degrees here today. Roger Federer will be in the main interview room at 12.40. And there we go. So how He's long got, we got 15 to wait? minutes to shower. Right. Although, from the looks of things on the screen, no showering is happening. He's no. just meeting, greeting yes. people. Yeah, so Pyeongchang and uh, the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics, well... So if you're a fan of both tennis and luge, <laughs> I yeah. am the broadcaster for you. Make sure you turn your Eurosport on if you want your fix of Catherine Whitaker on <laughs> your screens. Uh, we will be bringing you uh, a tennis podcast next week, even though Catherine's not going to be around because uh, we've already had a great idea and it's going to be a listener questions only brought to you by our guest editors we've got one one the next two weeks um one brought to you by jim boyle our guest editor another one brought to you by grace onions our other guest editor and uh, catherine just wanted to say very good luck at the winter olympics uh exceptionally proud of you for going there and, uh, and doing what you do and it's going to be fascinating and fun to watch you on the screen and uh, and this has been a lot of fun this last two weeks it's been a great lot of fun hasn't it not as fun as I hope talking about people careering uh, down a mountain on a tea tray is yeah. going to be. As uh, Mary Carillo has, uh, has called it, what is it? Um, a bar bet's gone bad, <laughs> yeah. is uh, what she described the lewd chats. And uh, 
Listen, thank you all for listening. And, um, yeah, we're going to be back really soon. Who have we got to thank? Who sponsors us, Catherine? Uh, we've got to thank Triple S. Of course we have. We've got to thank Melanie Bowes. Uh, we've got to thank Charlie the Ferret. Uh, we've tennisballs. got to thank com. Tennisballs.com. And we've got to thank La Manga Club. Well, I personally have got to thank La Manga Club and Rafa. Still have another uh, rematch, have we? No. Lack of tennis rackets has proven, yeah. surprisingly enough, a bit of an impediment to that here. And tropical temperatures. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, that's it for the. I mean, we thank everyone that listens yeah. and everyone that chipped into the Kickstarter. But that's uh, those are the headliners, and we thank you all very much. And we'll speak to you soon. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.